Hello, church family. Thank you for joining us for another message from Res Life Holland. We hope this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus and empowers you to live the life God has for you. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. This week, um, I, had, I, I started on the message that, that I was going to give, and I felt like the Holy Spirit gave it to me on Tuesday. And then throughout the week, I, I ran into people and... I realized, like, they're going to think I wrote this message because of what we said on Thursday, not on Tuesday. Um, But I just feel like this is a very um, Holy Spirit-inspired message for us today. I believe everybody can get something from it. But um, one of the things that we here at this church believe is one of our, um, like, purposes I think it's a part, it's, it's every church, but this is something that we focus on very intentionally, and that is equipping everyone to live a supernatural Christian life, to live out the callings that they have. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11 says this, each of you, raise your hand if you're one of the each of you, if that's you. Okay, if you don't have a hand, You didn't have to raise. Other than that, you should have had your hand up. Each of you should use whatever, whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Whatever in various forms. Realize that that's pretty inclusive. And it's each of you. So it's all of us are to use whatever gift in various forms of God's grace. If anyone, and then he goes on to examples. He says, hey, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. So that in all things, which things? All things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Okay, you guys got your hand ready for raising? How many of you believe God has a calling on your life? Okay. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand for this next one, but I want you to imagine whether you would raise your hand, even how high you might raise it. Are you already working in that call? I don't, I'm not asking people to pressure, but are you doing... And, and if so, like... Did you start this week? Have you been working on it for a while? When we look in scripture, we see we are called. And everyone agreed, I'm called. But then what happens when God comes and says, this is your call? So one of the ways that I like to study scripture is I like to go into the Bible. I just run through scripture and think of examples The Bible says that that it was written for or as an example to us. We are to go into Scripture and look for that. So here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to have a Bible study together, and we're going to go look at several people who God announced their calling to them, and then we're going to look at how they responded, and then we're going to kind of compare ourselves to them. You guys ready? Judges. Chapter 16, verse 11, the story of Gideon. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under an oak tree in Ophrah. 
that belonged to Joash the Abizarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord? Gideon replied, But uh, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of the Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? That's like a rhetorical question. Like, I just sent you. Do you see that I'm not sending? I'm sending you. Pardon me, Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. All right. We, many of us, how many of you already knew the story of Gideon? Okay. Most of us have heard it before. When I said Gideon, you were like, okay, I can see where he's going. Gideon was called. But Gideon's response was, I don't see it. Where is, where, where is all of the wonderful stuff? And then he said, how can I do it? His exact words. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least of my family. He says, out of all of Israel, I am from the weakest. How many of you guys know who Barney Fife is? I'm getting enough chuckles I can use this reference. He says, I'm from Barney Fife's clan, and I am Barney Fife. If you don't know, that would be, I'm trying to think, you know, I'm thinking of all old references. That'd be like Steve Urkel. I'm, I'm from the Urkel clan, and I'm Steve Urkel. But I, I got to think of what a bar, can anyone give me what a current reference for an absolute loser would be? That's what he says. He says, I am... I am not great. God came to him, presented him with a calling, and his first response was, I don't think I'm up for it. You have the wrong person. We know the rest of the story. I'm not going to go read it all. But, But he basically just like insists that God prove and reprove, really, are you sure? Are you absolutely calling me? Because if you're, if you're calling me, okay, if you are calling me, will you make the ground wet and this wool dry? Okay, that happened. Well, now make the wool wet and the ground dry. All right, fine. I'll go out there and I'll do it. And he goes out there and he raises up the big old army and, and then he gets out there and God says, I need you to understand something. It wasn't about you in the first place. You've got too big of an army. You're going to think that you pulled this off. I want you to sell it, send everybody who's afraid home. And then he does. And then he's only got about 10,000. And then God says, you still have too many. Now send everybody who doesn't like carefully drink from the field while we're looking around. And he sends, gives them instructions. He ends up with only 300 soldiers. And then he goes out there and God uses him. And he delivers them from the Midianites. Now, that's one Example, let's go to another. Jeremiah, chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. 
Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak, and I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Jeremiah, he gets a word from God. And instead of saying, well, that's a cool plan. When can I start? His response is, I'm not a good speaker. Oh, and also, I don't think I'm old enough. How many of you guys feel like sometimes you're not old enough to do something? Okay. Now, the rest of you. How many of you don't feel as old as the numbers say you are? No matter which side you're on, you never feel like the shoe fits. You're like, someday I'll be old enough that people will respect what I have to say and they'll think, but for now, I'm probably not old enough and if they see me doing this, they won't want to do it. And then you get older and you're like, you know what, they're just going to dismiss me because I'm so old. Like, God says, don't let people despise your youth. His response was, I don't think I can. Now, how about Jonah? Chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee the Lord. He stepped up his game. The other people just said, I don't think I can. He was like, try and make me. And he took off. He went the opposite direction. God said, go over here. And he's like, I'm headed for Tarshish. He took off. In chapter 2, and we know the story. I mean, most of us know the story of Jonah. Jonah gets on the boat. He's headed away. A great storm arises. He tells the people on the boat, he says, I'm the reason that this storm is here. And eventually, they throw him overboard. And God sends a big fish who comes and swallows him. Chapter 2 is this big soliloquy that Jonah writes about what he said and thought in the belly of the fish. And here's what he says, part of it. In my distress, I called to the Lord. Who was he trying to get away from? God. Then in his distress, he called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. If you read that whole thing, it's, a, it's long enough that I, I don't think we have time to go through it all. But 
Jonah was trying to run away from God's presence. And even in the place where he thought God was least likely to be, he called out, God heard him. He responded. He even goes into description and says, seaweed was wrapped around my head. We have another example. How many of you know Jehu? If I say Jehu, he's a less popular guy. I had to find somebody that you wouldn't remember. Jehu is famous for a couple of things, one of which is driving crazy. The Bible says that they saw him coming and they wondered who was approaching and the guard said, it must be Jehu for he drives like a madman. Anybody else have an anointing of Jehu on them? (laughs) Jehu... The Bible says in 2 Kings 9 that the prophet was sent to prophesy over him and declare him the king, the the next king. And then God sent him to overthrow King Ahab. That was Jezebel's husband. They were wicked, wicked, wicked. And God called Jehu to replace him. And he sends the prophet and he says, tell him, this is your, you are to be the next king and you are to go overthrow Ahab. And then God told the prophet, as soon as you tell, just run. So the prophet comes, he pulls Jehu aside, he gives Jehu his, his assignment, and then he runs out the door. And then the Bible says that Jehu comes out and his soldiers come and say, well, what did he say? And Jehu says, oh, you know that crazy guy. Literally, that's what he says. Oh, you know, just crazy stuff. Like he didn't even want to admit to his calling. He's like going to keep it on the down low. And they insist. They're like, no, tell us, tell us. And he says, fine. He says, I'm going to be king. And then they supported him, and he ends up following through. How many of you guys remember Peter? Peter, unlike many of these others, was confident that he could do it. You remember that? He's like, Jesus, I got you. Whatever. Up to my life. I will help you out. And then Jesus says to him, by this time tomorrow... When the cock has crowed three times, you will have denied me three times. Nuh-uh. Like, I, I find his story interesting because everybody else said, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And he's up here like, bring it on. I'm ready. I'm ready. And then he totally blows it. Like, the only one who said he was ready wasn't ready. But look here for a second. In Luke 22, verse 32, Jesus says to him, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. So Jesus says this in advance. Peter comes up and says, I'm ready. And Jesus says, you know what? You're going to blow it, but after you blow it, Keep going and strengthen your brothers, and it's going to be okay. 
God basically says to him, I know you're going to blow it. And I still called you anyway. I still called you anyway. I don't, I don't care that you blow it. How many of you guys remember King Saul? King Saul, 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 21. Then he brought forward the tribe of Benjamin, clan by clan, and Matri's clan was taken. Finally, Saul, son of Kish, was taken. But when they looked for him, he was not to be found. So they inquired further of the Lord. Has the man come here yet? Now remember, Saul was told in advance about that anointing. The prophet had come and anointed him king. Saul knew what was coming. And the Lord had to tell them, uh, yes, he's hiding himself among the supplies. Now the Bible says that Saul stood a head and shoulders above the rest. In fact, that's the next verse. They ran and brought him out, and as he stood among the people, he was a head taller than any of the others. Samuel said to all the people, do you see the man that the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among all the people. Then the people shouted, long live the king. Saul was called. He was anointed. And when the day came, like he went and hid with the luggage. Saul didn't think he was ready. We can do an entire study on Saul. It's ironic because he starts out not feeling ready. And then as things go along, he starts to feel comfortable. So comfortable, in fact, that when God gave him instructions about what to do, he got a little impatient. God said, you know, go to this place. Don't take any spoils. Leave that. That's your offering to me. But instead... He brought the spoils. God said, wait, the prophet will come. You guys will make a sacrifice to me. He didn't want to wait for the, the prophet, so he started and he did the sacrifice himself. And God came to him, and I didn't pull up the exact reference, but when the prophet came and corrected him, he said, when you were small in your own eyes, he became too big. There was a time when you were small in your own eyes. Now, you think you're all that and more. Saul ended up losing the dynasty. He remained king a little bit longer, but God had originally planned, and it's, it's clear as day in Scripture, God had originally planned for his son and his sons to be there. God had set up Saul, said, you can be a dynasty. Your children will reign. And then Saul blew it because he thought it was about him. And at first he wasn't ready, and then he was so ready, he tried to do it without God's blessing and without following God's instruction. Next, Moses. Exodus chapter three, verse 10. So now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Here it goes again. Moses says, um, why'd you pick me? Who am I to do this? 
Now, I don't need any raise of hands, but how many of you have ever felt when you get that call, when God says, do, you're like, why me? I don't feel adequately prepared for this. But didn't you notice the dumb thought I had like 10 minutes ago? Can someone you use have dumb thoughts like those? He says, I will be with you, God said. And this will be the sign that, that, sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Now, how many of you, like, I think all of us noticed a theme. The theme was nearly every single one of them didn't feel ready, except for one who thought he was ready and he wasn't ready. And then he thought he wasn't ready and God had to say, go for it anyway and restore him. Right? There's another common theme there. I want to go back and I want to show you what kept popping up. And I'm just going to do it really fast. In the story of Judges, he, he meets him and he says to Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Then he tells him to go And then when Gideon responds and says, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered him, I will be with you. God's answer wasn't, oh no, I've already put everything you need in there somewhere. You can do it. Oh, you don't think you can? You're just wrong. You are actually an excellent speaker and I have got it all figured. No, he says, I will be with you. When Jeremiah said, I'm not a good speaker, I'm too young, that was verse 7, where he says, but the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young, you must go to everyone I send you and say whatever I command you, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you. Jonah tries to get away and still discovers that even in his despair, guess who's with him? God, and he answers him. Peter thinks that God has rejected him because he rejected God, but Jesus comes back and says, do you love me? Yeah, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, feed my sheep. And he tells him in advance, I will restore you. Go out and do that. Moses, Moses said in verse 11, But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. Notice the question, who am I? And God's answer, I'll be with you. It wasn't, oh, well, let me tell you who you are. You have all of this, and in your own strength, you can accomplish it. God could have said, who are you? What are you talking about? You were raised in the the palace of the, the, the Egyptian Rulers, you know more about the Egyptian rulers than any other Hebrew that I could possibly have chosen. God didn't jump to, hey, here's your resume. Because guess what? It's not yours and my resume that matters. God's answer was, I am with you. Who am I to take this? Um, You're the guy that I'm going to be with. (laughs) That's who you are. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 
If God is for you, who can be against you? Listen, we all recognize that we're called. But over and over and over and over and over in scripture and in real life, when God presents a calling to us, we as people have a tendency to dismiss it and say, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. There's like a famous hashtag on YouTube. If you guys know what I'm going to say, he wasn't ready. He wasn't ready. And you'll see all of these fails, and then they'll be like, he wasn't ready. That's our call. That's just so humanity. We just say, I'm not ready. And God says, that's not the point. You don't have to be ready. You just have to have me with you. His response is, I am with you. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies, who then is the one who condemns. No one. You know who the, the, we condemn ourselves. Oh, I can't do that. I'm not good enough. I'm not, I mean, haven't you seen the thoughts that I had yesterday and the things that are going on in my life and I just can't do this. I can't be used by God. God, you're, you may think you want to call me, but I think you really mean you want to call me about five years from now. So just come back later. Who is the one who condemns? The answer in scripture right here is no one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. You say, oh, I'm gonna, I can't, I got all these problems and I got all these reasons why I can't possibly use my God. And God says, who is condemning you? In fact, Jesus is up there at the right hand of the Father interceding on your behalf. He is saying, they can do it because I'll be with them. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face de death all day long and we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor future, nor any powers. Which powers? Any powers. Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. It is our proximity to God and his love that empowers us to fulfill our calling and nothing can separate you from that. Here's what I need you to hear. You are ready. 
Not because you're ready, but because he's with you. That's what makes you ready. So many of us are like, well, I, I, I know I'm called. I'm just not ready. I'll, I'll do it later. Someday I'll be ready enough. No, you'll never be more ready than you are right now. Because it isn't about your capacity. Moses, if you go and read the whole chapter there in Exodus about what happens, Exodus 4 and 5, he's, he, he has this like two chapter long argument with God. I'm not, I can't do this. And, and, can't. and God's like, all right, well, what if I give you this miracle and I'll give you this miracle and you'll show them with you, and you'll convince him with this. And, you know, I, I can't talk. And God says to him, who made your mouth? I love that line. No one else would get the punchline, but I'd put that on a t-shirt and wear it all around. Somebody wouldn't get it. It'd probably get me in trouble, actually. If they... <sighs> but I love in that kind of, who made your mouth? God, God says, I made your mouth. I know what your mouth can do and what it can't do. You don't think you can speak? So what? Show up and open your mouth and see what I do with it. There's a scripture in the New Testament where Paul, Paul prays and he says to the, to the people, he says, pray for me that when I open my mouth, words would be given to me. <laughs> he had to open it. We're like, well, I don't have the words. So, just start talking. God will give you the words. Remember, it's not about the eloquence of speech. The Holy Spirit is with you. No man comes to the Father except that the Spirit draws him. You don't have to convince them. The Holy Spirit is already working on their heart. He's just going to use your lips. Just try it. It, it doesn't... Here's what I need you to understand. When God calls you, someone said it this way. He doesn't call those that are equipped. He equips those that he calls. You don't have to have everything perfectly figured out. As I said before, I like to go through scripture and try to think of examples of what's going on. As I go through scripture, I cannot think of a single example of someone who was blocked from doing, from fulfilling God's call because they hadn't been to college yet or even because they hadn't been trained. Now, the Bible does speak about Jesus, and it says that he grew in wisdom and stature with God and man. Is there something to be said about growing and learning and training? Absolutely there is. But we get this idea that I'm called when it's all done. God says, you're called the whole time. In Acts chapter 7, we have this, the story of, of the, the seven people, the Bible says, that were filled with the Holy Spirit and that they were, the hands were laid on them and that they were called to, do you remember what they were called to do? Did you remember? Serve, specifically, waiting tables. They said that the apostles were being pulled away to bring food to the tables 
of the widows and the people that they were serving. And they said, you know what? We want the apostles to be able to dedicate their time to some other stuff. So we need seven people who are filled with the Holy Spirit and we're going to pray and anoint them to bus tables. And those people were called, they were anointed, and they were given the job of bussing tables. And if you look at the list of names, there's a few names you don't recognize. Prokonor, I think that's the only place he shows up. But there's also a couple of other guys whose names you might recognize. Stephen and Philip. They're first mentioned as table waiters. But if you keep going through scripture, the next time their name is mentioned, it's, and the people marveled at the many miracles that were happening. And then Philip was translated like, beam me up, Scotty, from one spot to another. He, he then like baptizes a eunuch who goes back to northern Africa and historians believe was responsible for the gospel reaching that entire continent. And then he's, poof, like zapped right back. And it started waiting tables. He grew, but he didn't say no. He said, what's next? He got out there and he started. There is, there is timing. But you know something? When I started looking for examples of timing, you know what I found? I found more examples of when God used people despite saying, well, technically it's not exactly the right timing, but okay. I didn't find, nope, can't do that, not the right time. Remember, Jesus, his first miracle. His mom comes to him and says, hey, we need some help here. And what does Jesus say? It's not my time yet. She says, oh, just help him out anyway. And he does. And the miracle is recorded in the Bible. There's a couple of different times when Jesus references, you know, the timing isn't quite there. That didn't stop supernatural happening. I can't find examples where they just shut it down. We can grow in our gifts, but so many of us aren't trying to, we're just like, nope, not yet, not me. So, Somebody might say, well, you sound like you're saying that just anybody can be used by God and there's no way to be disqualified. Titus chapter one, verse 16. They professed to know God, but in works they denied him being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. I went and looked that up. What does it mean, abominable and disobedient? It meant defiant, like, the, the word abominable was like, and I, forget, I, I meant to write it down in here and copy it, and I just read it and didn't copy-paste. But I'll tell you what it said. Like, you can. You can mess yourself up, but it's not like, it's not easy. You've got to disobey. You've got to be like, I know what I'm supposed to do. Mm, I want to do the exact opposite. That's not where most of you are. Realize? 
we're struggling. And that doesn't mean, oh, I never make a mistake. I mean, I knew I wasn't supposed to say a lie, tell a lie, and then I did. I know I'm not supposed to cuss, but when I smashed my thumb, I did it anyway. I guess I'm a disobedient verbal and I can't be used by God. No, that's not what it's talking about. Defiant, absolute, rebellious, abominable disobedience. They profess to know God, and they don't. You remember the scripture that says, don't associate with adulterers and, and drunkards and thieves and all of that. And then it says, but I, in that, I don't mean don't associate with the world. You'd have to leave the world. What I'm saying is those who profess to be Christians and then do all those things. When somebody says, oh, I love the Lord, but God's given me permission to have three different you know, affairs simultaneously. No, he didn't. When someone says, I'm a Christian, but I purposely live contrary to what God's word says, and I think that I have license to do so. That's who the Bible says don't even have lunch with them. Because they're giving Christianity a bad name. They're professing to be following God, and they're intentionally disobeying what he says and claiming that they've got a pass. That person has disqualified themselves. The rest of you, you're just human. God knew you were going to mess up. Just like he did Peter. Peter denied him three times. Jesus didn't care. He knew it was going to happen. And he told him in advance, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 9 and 10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulty. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What does that mean? What that means is, if we're trying to rely on our ability. Well, do I have enough scriptures memorized for God to use me? Have I been to enough classes? Have I attended church enough years? Have I read enough hours? Have I prayed enough hours? Can God ever use? I don't think he can, and I'm going to not move until I'm ready. He says, nope. If you think it's about you, then you're pulling a Gideon. And you're thinking, okay, if I can recruit 32,000 people, maybe I can go up against it. And God says, it's not about you. See, when Gideon defeated the Midianites, and I don't remember what the number was, but I think it was over 100,000 that they had. And when Gideon went up against them with 32,000, God recognized Gideon's still going to think that he pulled it off on his own. But I want Gideon... And more importantly, everyone else to realize that I am the one who saved Israel. And so, the whole story of Gideon. Jesus says, it is in our weakness that he proves himself strong. Through us. If you're not ready, you're ready. Do, 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 do you realize that? Like, you are ready precisely because you're not ready. Because when you take a step forward, knowing that in yourself you aren't ready, but trusting that in him he will make the way, you're ready. 
That's what being ready is. Being ready is taking the step when you don't feel like you're ready because you know that he's got your back. That's what it means to be ready. To be not ready, but ready to go anyway. I recognize I don't have it all on my own. God, you fill in the gaps here. Whatever I I don't know in my own knowledge, whatever I can't do in my own capacity, God, you just fill in the gaps, but you said step forward, so I will. I'll talk to my neighbor. Do I know what I'm going to say to him? Nope. I'm just going to open my mouth. We'll see what comes out. You know what? I'm going to get involved. So many people, man, we think, okay, I, I feel called to something great. You know what? I don't know when God said to Philip and to Stephen that they were going to have these giant ministries where they were going to, to do miracles and there would be thousands of people coming and, and listening to what they said. And, and to Stephen, he was going to be the first martyr for the church. I don't know if Stephen knew in advance how much of that was going to happen. But if he did feel called to those big things, it didn't stop him from doing the tiny job of bussing tables. So many people in our church are like, I'm pretty sure God's called me. That's me. All right. Then we say, we need ushers. Well, I mean, someday I'm going to be preaching to big old crowds, but not usher. We need children's church workers. Definitely not ready. Man. What if, what if Stephen had said that? What if Philip had said that? They'd have missed out. The Bible says, he who is faithful with little will be faithful with much. God will give you opportunities. Some of us aren't, we've we've got opportunities, we know the opportunity, and we're sitting here going, I'm not ready, not ready, not ready, not ready. Others of us are like, well, I think I'm going to wait around for a bigger opportunity. I need a better opportunity. I need a Take what you got in front of you. I'll, I'll never forget, when I was in Bible school, the, the head of the entire, the founder of the Bible school, Kenneth Hagin, incredible prophetic ministry. He had reached thousands and tens of thousands of people and, and done crusades around the world and been a part of miracles that just were crazy. There's one time... He was preaching, walked right off the stage, didn't sink. Walked around, floating in front of the whole crowd, walked right back to the stage. This guy, this is what he said. It doesn't matter what you do to start out your ministry. If you're called to be a pastor and you start out as an evangelist, don't worry about it. First 12 years don't matter. Just get out there and start moving. Like the first 12 years don't matter. What? I was like 19 years old. 12 years ago, I was like six or seven. I'm like, 12 years don't matter. I haven't been able to do math for 12 years. It seems like it matters. 
says, no, just go. So here's my question, you guys. Are you ready? It doesn't matter. <laughs> just go. Ready or not, go. What is the saying? On your mark, ready or not, go. Just go. Because I am with you. That's his response. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us, that there is literally nothing that can separate us from your love and from your presence. Lord, I just ask that you would speak to each of our hearts, remind us of what steps you have put before us that we can step into, that perhaps we have been hesitant to take those steps. Lord, I just ask that you would inspire that, that you would plant that thought in each of our minds this morning as each of us pray and ask that that be revealed. Lord, I pray that you would show us what steps we have that we can step into now. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. If you're here today and you know that you're forgiven, that, that God loves you, that you're, you are on your way to heaven, your sins have been forgiven, I want you to raise your hand. Okay, those of you are the ones that are ready to go. If you don't know that you're right with God, if you don't know that your sins are forgiven, the Bible says you can know today. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, and 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus died on the cross and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. What does it mean to be saved? You're saved from the sin that, and guilt that you had, the sin that separated you from relationship with God. It means you have relationship with him now. It also means that upon death, there will be no sin separating from you and you will spend eternity with him. You can know that. A moment ago, everybody, not everybody, but most of us in this room raised our hands and said, we know that. If you don't know that, you can. What did the Bible say? It said, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. So I want to give you an opportunity to do that. With every eye closed, if you want to be right with God, you don't know whether you, where you stand, you're not confident, perhaps you, you were on fire for the Lord, but you just walked away and you say, I want to recommit. I want to just go. This is for you or for your first time. I want you to raise your hand right now. And we're going to pray together. Okay, so everybody here, just pray with me. If you're watching online, you matter too. So you pray with us. Say, dear God, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin and that you rose from the dead. I accept your forgiveness. I choose to live for you. I make you the Lord of my life. I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If that was you, if you're watching online, send us a note. You can put it in the comments. You can send us a direct message. However you'd like, we have something we'd like to get to you electronically, a little bit of, of guidance on how to maximize that decision. If you're here in person and you would like that same thing, please come down. We have a copy for you uh, physically down here up front. Look forward to seeing you guys. You are dismissed. Dismissed.